Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Oh, can we love the Lord one more time all across the house. Thank you, Jesus, for your visitation among us. Thank you for your spirit that's moving in this very room right now. Oh, hallelujah, without a doubt, the power and presence of the Lord is in this place. And I've just come with expectation in my heart and anticipation in my spirit, ready to see what God is going to do. Not just today, but over the course of these next few services, I've just come with an expectation. Jesus said in Matthew 5 and 6, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. I got a feeling I'm surrounded by those of like precious faith that have the same desire. It was the psalmist David to send the 42nd Psalm as the heart panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. And as long as we keep that as the focal point of our life, we will never be disappointed. Or somebody say amen. It is such a joy and privilege to be back. We give honor to your fine pastor and his precious family for extending the invitation and allowing us to be part of what God is doing in this church and in this community. So we just are so thankful for each and every one of you. Give honor to all of the veterans, those that have given their lives for this country. I believe that the Lord is going to speak to us today. Amen. If you have your Bibles, we're going to open and read from the book of St. Mark, the 16th chapter. And we're going to begin at the first verse. And we're going to read down to verse number 7. St. Mark chapter 16, verse number 1. And as you're turning there, I do want to say how much I appreciate my lovely wife and precious baby boy, Silo. We just celebrated last week seven years of marriage. And so she's put up with me for seven years. She deserves a star in her crown, to say the least. But I love my family so much. And y'all just look so beautiful today. Y'all look so beautiful. All the ugly people must have stayed home because the beautiful people are here. Mark chapter 16, verse number 1, the Bible tells us this, And when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Siloam, had brought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. Very early in the morning, the first day of the week, they came unto the sepulcher at the rising of the sun. And they said among themselves, Who shall roll us away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? And when they looked, they saw that the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. Verse 5 says, And entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment. And they were affrighted. And he saith unto them, Be not affrighted, you seek Jesus of Nazareth, 
which was crucified, he is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. But go your way and tell his disciples and Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall you see him as he said unto you. Here they come and they get this message in verse number 7. And it says to go your way and tell the disciples and Peter that Jesus goes before you into Galilee. There shall you see him. And I want to preach to us for a little while on this subject. Meet me in Galilee. Meet me in Galilee. Can we lift our hands high to heaven? Can we raise our voices? Let's pray. Let's ask God to speak to our hearts. Father, in the name of Jesus, your spirit is already moving in this service. But God, we are praying right now that you would intensify your spirit and you would anoint your word to do what it was designed to do. Let it minister to every heart. Let it illuminate every mind. Let it alter every destiny. And God, we give you praise and thanks for what you're going to do in advance. And we give you all glory and all honor in Jesus. Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing with me. Well, we all have places that hold special significance in our lives, uh, locations that may seem ordinary to everybody else, but to you it carries a much deeper meaning. Around 80 minutes west of Indianapolis, there is a city called Terre Haute. And in Terre Haute, they have a small, beautiful park. But if you were to go and take a trip and you were to visit this park, you would probably not think that it was anything outstanding, anything spectacular or really that impressive. And that would actually be very correct. To everybody else, it's just another park and just another town. But to my wife and I, that's not just another park. But that's where we went on our first date and where we began to fall in love. Somebody say, oh. And so every time we visit Terre Haute or anywhere close, we try to take time out of our schedules to go and visit. There's something about going back. It brings certain memories into our minds. And, and others are riding their bicycles and others are walking down the road and they're not phased. But to us, every time we go, something triggers within us. And really, if we would be honest with ourselves, we all have places like that in our lives. Maybe somewhere you spent time with a spouse or a loved one. Maybe somewhere where your parents used to take you and you haven't went for years. But you go back and it brings back a, a nostalgic mindset. I remember going to that place. And do you know that the same holds true in the Word of God? That there are certain places and there are specific locations that carry a unique meaning in the Scriptures. I'll tell you what I'm preaching about. We are speaking here about 
Galilee. And Galilee is not a city, but rather it's a region that's located in the northern part of Israel. It's around 100 kilometers north of Jerusalem. Galilee is known for its beautiful and scenic mountain ranges. But perhaps what has gained more fame, notoriety, and popularity is the Sea of Galilee. It's the attraction that everybody has to go and visit. But in Galilee, there is a little town. It's not very big and it's not very large, but this town is called Capernaum. And for some reason, every time Jesus went to Capernaum, miracles took place. Even though it wasn't much to look at on a map, it wasn't a large metro area, but for some reason, every time he visited to visited Capernaum, somebody's life was about to be changed. Matter of fact, in Mark, the second chapter, in the first verse, it tells us that as soon as Jesus entered into Capernaum, it was noise that he was in the house. People knew. They realized and recognized that if Jesus was coming to Capernaum, you better clear your schedule, get to where he is at, because something's fixing to happen. In Capernaum, we find that in Mark, the first chapter, there is Simon Peter's mother-in-law, and she is sick, sick to the point that it's not looking very promising. So they come to Jesus and ask him to pray for this lady. They explain that the future is bleak and very dark. And so Jesus comes into this house. He sees this woman laying on the bed sick. And Jesus simply begins to pray. And as he begins to pray, the fever begins to leave. And the sickness begins to vanish. And Simon Peter's mother-in-law gets up out of bed and she no longer has any sickness, no longer having any kind of pain. I'm going to tell you where the house she lived in was at. It was in Capernaum. Y'all stay with me just for a few minutes. But in Mark, the third chapter, we find Jesus preaching in the synagogue. And while he is teaching the people, he looks out. And in the crowd, there's a man that has a withered hand, a hand that is crippled, that he does not have full use of. And while Jesus is speaking, he looks out and he speaks to this man. He says, stretch forth your hand. There with everybody watching, everyone eagerly waiting, this man stands up and he stretches forth his hand. And just as soon as he stretches forth his hand, it was no longer withered. It was no longer disfigured. It was no longer crippled. I want to tell you, they saw it with their eyes. They heard it with their ears. But the place they were standing was in the synagogue in Capernaum. I don't want to bore you with stories all Sunday morning, but we could go over and over and over. Most of the miracles you hear about was happening in Capernaum. Unusual things happened. Capernaum became linked with the supernatural. Capernaum became synonymous with the miraculous. And not only that, every time Jesus went, something interesting would happen. 
matter of fact, there was miracles, yes. But on the same token, in Matthew the 17th chapter, we find that Simon Peter is walking down the road. And while he is just minding his own business, he is approached by a tax collector. And this tax collector begins to speak to him begins to explain that I know that you're hanging around Jesus and they've developed quite a following. And I got a feeling you owe back taxes. I'm just going to let you know up front, I'm coming for the money. I'm going to tell you about tax collectors. They can chase you down. Come on, somebody. You don't want to play with the IRS. They will hunt you down on your job, on your house, on your trailer, on your boat, in your car. They will find out where you are living. And when they, this tax collector told him, Peter, almost baffled, uh, dumbfounded, slow to speak, said, I, I don't think I understand. What do you mean you know there's all kinds of money? And the tax collector would not be convinced. He would not be swayed otherwise. He knew there was money flowing. He knew that Jesus was in it for the riches and knew that it was overflowing their pockets. And Peter again tried to tell him, but he would not hear it. I got a feeling this tax collector uh, looked at Peter and said, Yeah, I heard about what Jesus was doing, uh, feeding 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish. Huh? He's taking 5,000 people out to Captain D's and Red Lobster. Somebody's got some money, uh, and I want my cut. You imagine how that tax collector was responding when Peter said, No, no, no. Jesus took the five loaves and two fists. That's all we had. It was multiplied, and that's how 5,000 were. Yeah, right. I believe that story. You just go back. You tell Jesus that I want it, and I want it right now. Here is Simon Peter, and he is all kinds of upset. He is just in a state of distress. He finally gets back to Jesus, and Jesus is almost having to calm him down. Tell me what you're talking about. Tell me what's really going on. Peter said, well, I was met by the tax collector, and he told me that all this money was owed, and I don't have the money, and I know you don't have the money. Uh, how are we going to pay this debt? How are we going to get out of this circumstance? How are we going to remedy this situation? Jesus looked at Peter and said, okay, follow my instructions. Peter, I want you to go fishing. I can see Peter, I can just envision him saying, Jesus, I'd love to go out on the boat right now. I'd love to put my pole in the water. I'd love to get a net and catch some fish, but I don't know if this is the right time. But I like Jesus' reason. He said, no, if you got a problem, you need to go and go fishing. Come on, all the brothers in the house better be saying amen. Let that choir hear your voice. That's what Jesus told me to do. Peter, just still not following what Jesus was saying. Jesus, I don't know how this is making sense. And finally, the Lord tells him, he says, Peter, listen to me. I want you to get 
your equipment. I want you to go down into your boat. I want you to go down to the water. And when you go down to the water, you're going to catch a fish. The very first fish that you catch, you're going to grab it by the gill. You're going to open its mouth. Inside the fish's mouth, there's going to be money. You're going to take that coin. You're going to go and pay the tax collector the debt that he says we owe. So you're telling me that I'm going to go and catch some fish. I've been fishing all my life. I could hear Peter, I've done this for a living. This is my trade. This is my career. But okay, you want me to go and catch a fish. And the first fish that I catch, I'm going to open its mouth. And inside that fish's mouth, there's going to be so much money that it's going to pay the tax collector everything that we owe. Jesus, I like to know where you can catch fish with money in its mouth. Matter of fact, tell me where all the money trees are planted. I need to go visit that field and visit it right now. Jesus said, easy. Go down to the Sea of Galilee because that's where you're going to catch a fish. So here's Peter. I can almost see him talking to himself. I can see him as he's got all of his equipment together. And he's going down to the boat. And he goes out in the water. How did I get hooked up with this? How did I get in this scenario? But he does what Jesus told him to do. He catches the fish. He grabs the fish out of the water. Holds it by the gill. Opens up its mouth. And lo and behold, there is the money inside the fish his mouth. I'm going to tell you that doesn't happen everywhere. That doesn't happen in every region. That doesn't happen in every kind of location. But there's something about Galilee. It unlocks something in the atmosphere. There's something about Galilee. Miracles would take place. Something about Galilee. Lives were changed. Something about Galilee. Blinded eyes were opened and deaf ears were unstopped. Something about Galilee that would forever change you. But I find it so perplexing that Jesus would go to other places and he would preach the same message under the same anointing, under the same authority, and the Bible says he could do no mighty works. How could that be? It's the same God manifest in the flesh. It's the same supernatural power. It's the same authority from the Lord God on high. And yet he would stand up in other places and he would preach under the power and passion of the Spirit of God. And yet when all was said and done, nobody was changed. Why? There was something to be said about finding him in the right location. There was something to be said about finding him in a supernatural setting. There was something about finding him uh, where there's a dynamic demonstration. Uh, There's something about certain places. Uh, It unlocks the heavens. There's something about certain locations. Uh, It opens up something in the spirit. Here, Jesus, so many things were happening. Lepers were being cleansed. Lame were walking. Dumb were talking. And yet he goes into the garden. And Jesus is betrayed. Betrayed by his own friend, close disciple. Here, Jesus now is arrested. 
and they are lying on him. Here now Jesus is being cuffed and treated like a criminal. Now he has has a uh, tree placed on his back. Now they are leading him up the hill of Golgotha. Now you can hear it as the nails are piercing his hands and the nails are piercing his feet. You can listen to the screams of agony as they plate that crown of thorns on his head and they lift him up suspended between heaven and earth and Jesus now is suffering and the miracles have been forgotten because when you go through suffering you forget the miracles real fast. You go through hardships and you begin to neglect what God has done in the past. And here Jesus is suffering. He's bleeding, suffocating, giving him vinegar to drink, piercing him in the side. The one that the disciples followed after. The one that they left their careers for. The one that left gave them the ability to leave uh, uh, profanity-laced tirades, the one that gave them the ability to change who they were, change their actions, change their countenance, was now hanging, and then he died. Now the disciples are come together, worried and afraid, What's going to happen now? What's going to take place? If they would kill Jesus, if they would kill our leader, it's only a matter of time. They're coming for us. The revival that once caused them to dance and celebrate in the street. The outpouring that caused them to lift up their voice in ecstasy. Now that was long gone. Now they're in a moment of panic. What are we going to do? Some have already walked out. Judas already betrayed them. Some are thinking they're going to go back to their old lives. That spirit, that momentum is gone. People are throwing in the towel. Others are waving the white flag of surrenderance. Nobody has faith anymore except a few ladies and a few sisters. They said, well, we're going to go down to the tomb where he was buried. Isn't that something when everybody loses faith? Give me the ladies from the Sisters Auxiliary that will not give up on the church, and will not give up on revival, and not will give up on the prodigals and the backsliders. There's something to be said about the sisters, even in the Word of God that said, I know you don't believe it anymore, but I got a feeling this isn't over just yet. I don't think we need to throw in the towel just yet. Notice none of the disciples even went with them. Huh? Here they go down to the tomb of Jesus. They have their spices in their hand ready, uh, ready just to go in and deal with the reality that he's gone. And so they go down to the tomb. And as soon as they arrive, they notice something peculiar. The stone has been rolled away. So they begin to tread lightly and quietly to the tomb where Jesus was buried. and They get all the way up as they begin to peer on the other side of that stone. They notice there's a young man sitting in there. As they look in, the young man sees him and says, Oh, I know why you have come. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. 
I got a message I need to tell you. He's risen. He's already gone. He's already left. But he gave me a message, and I'm supposed to give it to you. And you're supposed to give it to the disciples and make sure Peter hears it with his own ears. Tell them that he's alive and well, but he's waiting on them in Galilee. That's the place that you're going to see him again word. They hear, I don't know if it was an angel. I don't know exactly what they thought. But when they left the tomb, they were running as fast as their feet could take them. There was an excitement in their voice. There was a hunger in their heart as they ran back to the rest of the disciples. And as soon as they arrived, they busted through the door and almost startled everybody in the room and said, you're not going to believe what happened. We went down to the tomb of Jesus where he was buried. And as soon as we got there, the stone was rolled away and there was a man sitting where Jesus was actually laid. And he told us that Jesus is not dead. He's actually alive, but he's waiting on us. And we've got to drop what we're doing. And we got to get to Galilee. Now, if you stick around church any length of time, you will know that not everybody's spiritual all the time. And there are moments you have to use natural wisdom with spiritual wisdom. And I wonder if the natural wisdom was being a little more played at this moment. Because when they busted through the door and they said, Jesus is alive, but we got to get our bags and we got to get to Galilee. I wonder which disciple it was that spoke up and said, Galilee, that's a hundred kilometers north of where we're at right now. You know, this is before we had the transportation that we have now. We can't just catch a taxi. We can't just get on the bus and go a hundred kilometers. You're talking about a multiple-day journey that's liable to take us a week just to get there. I would think, and I would just assume that if Jesus really is alive, he would try to meet us in the capital city. If Jesus really is alive, if he really did conquer death, if he really did overcome the grave, why wouldn't he come down the main street of Jerusalem and tell us that's the place where I'm going to show my glory? And those sisters those women said, well, I don't really know why he chose Galilee. All I know is this, that the man in the tomb said, if you want to see him again, uh, Galilee's the place you're going to see him. So it's up to you. Do you want to stay where you're at or do you want to go back to where we were? We're going to go back to Galilee. See, that's the question that begs to be asked. Are you happy where you're at? Or do you want to go back to where you once were? Okay. I get, I mean, I, I'm going to have to make some calls now. I'm going to have to let people know that we're going to be gone for a week. We're going to have to pack our bags, get our water, get our food, but that's okay. We're going to go on a trip. Let's try, try to picture this with me now. It won't be too much longer. But try to picture this in your mind with me as they are all together and they're on this journey. And as soon as they begin their journey, one of the very first places they have to pass is Calvary. And the mother of Jesus is there 
and John, the closest disciple, is there. And when they passed Calvary, I know there were still some hurt feelings when they passed it. You know the tears were still fresh. We're only three days out. Mama watched her baby die on that cross. I know what it's like walking down Calvary. Ah, anger's rising up in your heart. Feelings of betrayal is igniting within your spirit. But here is where they have to decide, are we going to go past this or are we going to stay right here? See, some people can't ever get past that stage. They can't go no further. They can't go any deeper, and they can't get any closer. They've got to stay right where they're at right now. Come on, we got to press our way. We got to press our way through this. Huh? All right. So they go on with their journey. It wasn't long in their journey. As they were nearing Galilee, they come upon Nazareth. Nazareth was the place we should have had the greatest revival. Nazareth, the place where Jesus was raised up. Jesus was the one that lived in Nazareth. But I remember Nazareth. We went to the synagogue. Jesus got to preaching. We're standing there ready. We're ready to lay hands on people. We're ready for blinded eyes to be opened up. We're ready for demons to be delivered. We're ready for the captives to be set free. But we go to Nazareth, and they say, who is this man? This is Joseph's son, the son of the carpenter. He's not anybody special. You just go on and find somewhere else to preach. And we had to leave there, and nobody believed in us. See, if you want to get to Galilee, you have to get beyond the place where people don't see any value in you. You have to go beyond the place where somebody may say, I don't know if they have a real ministry. I don't know if they're really going to walk with God. I don't know if they will never go back to drugs. They might just go back to drinking. I don't know. They lived it their whole life. And some people can never get past Nazareth. They stay in that place. They let people hurt their feelings. And they won't go to where they need to be in God. They let somebody say something derogatory about them. And they harbor that in their heart. They hold that in their spirit. Think there's those ladies leading the charge and said, Come on, we're not staying in Nazareth. Don't pitch your tent in Nazareth, son. We got to keep on walking, got to keep on going. We need to get to Galilee. And they finally get on the outskirts. I don't know who it was first. I don't know who they came in contact with, excuse me, at the very beginning. But I don't think it was long as they were walking and somebody met him and said, I don't know if you remember me, but I remember you. There was a day I was deaf and I was unable to speak. And there was a man with you named Jesus. And he came and he laid his finger on my tongue. And he put his finger in my ears. And he prayed the prayer. And as soon as he prayed that prayer, my ears were opened up and I could hear. My tongue was loosed and I could speak. You may not have remembered where you were at, but I'll never forget it. I was in Galilee. 
and they walk a little further. Maybe this time when they come upon a group of people, they tell them, you probably don't even recognize us, but there was a time that we were lepers and we were outcasts from society, but we heard Jesus was coming by and we cried out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when we cried out, he said, show yourself to the priest because you've been healed. We got to running and the Lord healed us. You may not have remembered where you were at, but it's been forever etched in our minds. We were running down the streets of Galilee. Come on, don't you remember Galilee? Mary, Magdalene starts looking around. You know what? I remember this place. I remember who I was before God found me. Before I became a follower, before I came part of the closest of the close, I was a woman that did not have the best reputation. I did things that I'm ashamed of. But I remember one day I was going back to my little house in Capernaum. I was going back to my little house at the time I was living in Galilee and there was a man standing there. And he said, I'm not interested in what all the other men want. I want to give you something that no man could ever give you. I was possessed by devils. I was tormented by spirits. But God healed me and he set me free. I remember where I was at. I was in Galilee. Come on, Peter. Anything coming back to your mind? I don't even know why the Lord told me to come. But notice in Mark 16 and 7 what the angel said. He said, go back and tell the disciples and make sure you tell Peter. Tell the one that failed me. Tell the one that let me down. I still believe in you. See, even when we fail, he still believes in us. Even when we deny him, he doesn't deny us. Even when we fall and falter, yet he still sees value in us. I don't even know why he told me to come on this journey. But as he started walking, I think the other disciples said, You remember it? I do. You remember we were out on the boat? and We thought there was a ghost out on the water. And you said, that's not a ghost, that's Jesus. And you said, if that's really you, bid me to come out on the water. And Jesus said, come on. And Peter, we had our iPhones out. We were live on Facebook. And we were taping you as you were walking on the water. You remember what the water was you were walking on? I was walking on the Sea of Galilee. Come on, Peter, I know you were kind of in a a unique place right now, but there was a place you once were. You walked on the water. There was a place you once were in God. You had so much faith. You were the catalyst for revival. You didn't need anybody to cheerlead you into worship. You didn't need anybody to pump you into an outpouring. You were operating in the supernatural. I feel the Lord speaking to somebody right now. There was a place you once were. You didn't need anybody else. You didn't need somebody to hype you up. You walked on the water. You walked in faith. You walked in the ability that only God gives. You remember where you were at, son. I got a feeling I know now why Jesus wants to meet us in Galilee. 
Because there's a place God's trying to bring us to. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost here. Could you lift your hands to the Lord for just a moment? The music's getting ready to come right now. But I feel the presence of the Lord speaking on this very first service of revival. Hallelujah. I feel like God is setting the tone for us right now. Hey, yes, Lord. God is trying to speak to you, sir. Come on. God is trying to speak to you, young person. Hallelujah. There is a place God's calling us. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. I'm getting ready to close, but before I do... We were, had the privilege of preaching a camp meeting a few years ago. and Of course, camp meeting is a special time in the Lord, high time in the Holy Ghost. And it was a Thursday night, if I'm not mistaken. Didn't even really get a preach. People started coming. Young people started making their way to the altar. And we danced and we shouted and we celebrated. And we rejoiced probably close to a solid hour. While we were at the altar worshiping and praising God, I noticed towards the back there was a maybe a middle-aged couple or so, a little older, and I noticed they were sitting there. I could just tell they were really discouraged. And so I just kind of slipped back to where they were, going all the way back to the, towards the end of the sanctuary, and I noticed that there were some crutches laying beside her. She had her leg in some kind of cast or uh, some kind of uh, contraption to help her. And so I I just kind of went up to him. I said, well, I just feel led to come back here and pray for you. As long as it's okay, I don't want to make you uncomfortable. I just really would like to pray for you today. She said, "I, I really need prayer. We both need prayer. She said, I had surgery on my Achilles tendon. Because of that, I've been off work, been unable to drive, and I went back in for my checkup, and I didn't get good news. They told me there's a possibility they're going to have to do the surgery again because there is an infection. We're not sure if everything was done correctly. And she said, that has really weighed heavy on me. It's already been weeks leading to months, and I don't know if I could go through all that again and go through the recovery again. I don't know if my job is going to keep me or they're going to lay me off. And I really need prayer. So what are we going to pray for you? We're going to believe God is going to touch you. We're going to believe that the Lord's going to heal you. She said, oh, thank you. And right before I was getting ready to pray for her, she said, you know, young man, there's something else I really would like prayer for. I said, well, sir, what is it? She said, well, I was, we were just sitting back here. We were watching young people worship, and we were watching them dance in the altar. And She said, I just sat back here, and I thought, whoo, it's been a long time since I really danced in church. She said, then I started thinking, it's been a long time since I've danced in church. She said, then I started thinking, you know, it's been a long time since I've really got lost in the spirit. She said, now, I feel the Lord. God blesses me in service. I'm not telling you I don't ever get anything. She said, but you know, when I was younger at the old church, they used to have services, and I remember those services. It was like heaven came down on the earth, and I, we would lay in the altar, and we would just be so blessed. She said, it's been so long, I'm not even sure if I can really remember what it felt like. 
She said, I want that again. She said, I'm thankful that God blesses me. I'm thankful I feel the goosebumps. There's some people, you know what she's taught. There's something different. You can get blessed or you can feel it. You can feel good about yourself. But then there's a place you can go in the spirit that not everybody knows is there, but you know it's there. There's a place you can get in the Holy Ghost. She said, I want to go back. I said, well, we're going to pray for you. God's going to heal you. God's going to touch you. God's going to bless you. And so we got to praying. Young people started gathering around. We started worshiping the Lord with this sister. Just about the time she was done worshiping, done praying, I said, sis, I, I don't mean to be derogatory any kind of way or ugly. I said, but sometimes you got to really press if you want something from God. I don't know why you can't always just get it like this, but sometimes it's a journey to get to Galilee. I don't know why he tells us to go places that's 100 kilometers away sometimes. But every now and then, it takes a little bit of effort. It takes a little bit of energy. And it takes a little time at an altar to get what your soul is really crying out for. I said, if you would just keep worshiping with me, if you would just keep praying with me for a moment, I believe God really is going to do something special for you right now. So we praising God, we're magnifying his name, and all of a sudden, I just had different young people just kind of pull away from her. And while she is standing there without any crutches and without anybody holding on to her, it's like the light bulb went off. I'm standing here on my sore leg that just went through surgery, and there's no kind of pain. I'm standing here on a leg that's infected and bruised and messed up. And when the light bulb went off, she started jumping. I don't recommend that. You better be in that place. How many know what I'm talking about? She started jumping on that leg. And all of a sudden, she got out in the aisle. She started dancing. And she started worshiping. And she started kicking her legs up for a minute. We just went back to the front, but as soon as service was over, that sister came up with other people around me, and she said, Brother, I want to tell you something. She said, God, I believe, has healed my leg. She sent me a message weeks later. said, We went back to the surgeon, and they said, I don't know. There's no complications that we can find. I don't think you need to have surgery again. Infection left, bruising left, pain left. She said, God has absolutely healed me. She said, but I got to be honest with you. When I got out in the aisle and I started jumping and I started dancing, it wasn't because God healed my leg. And it wasn't because God took away the pain. But I began to feel what I used to feel. It had been a long time since I had felt that. But oh, I felt it one more time. She said, that's when I really lost it in worship. That's when I really lost it in my praise. That's really when I lost it. I wonder today, is there anybody willing to take a little journey with me and meet me? back in Galilee. Could you stand with me all across the house? Come on, hands raised all across the sanctuary. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, I pray there would be a hunger, there would be a thirst, there would be a desire like never before.
This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.